Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. everybody. I was enjoying the morning so much I forgot to put my microphone on. (laughs) So I was lost in the uh, blessing. What a great job the kids did, huh? It is so neat to see them up there and learning those uh, motions and stuff. And it doesn't look like it was, it took a lot to get them to do it because they look so natural. But to get kids to do stuff like that, all of them at the same time, it's a gift. And uh, they did a great job. So parents, you should be very proud. Your kids were amazing today. Amen? Uh, We're celebrating the Christmas season, the the gift of Jesus, which is is so multifaceted. There's so much that comes with Jesus, so much more than just salvation. Uh, We have a lot of people today that are not feeling well. That cold thing that's going around is hitting some people pretty hard. So let's, let's just take a minute to prepare our hearts to lift them up in prayer. Welcome everyone online. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We're very excited that you're part of our church family, and we're blessed because of it. But I want to just take a minute, and uh, there's so much going on, so many things. we got to remember who we're getting what for, when we're going to buy it, where it was on sale, you know, who's getting me something, do I got to get them something, all of that stuff. Let's just kind of tune that down, just push it down for a minute, and let's just receive from God today. Amen? Will you join me in prayer? Father, you are God, and we are so thankful. You're high and lifted up. You're our God, and we are your children. So today we come expecting, expecting to receive from your very throne everything that we would need, everything that we would want in line with your word. We do this because your word instructs us to, so that we can be blessed to be a blessing to the world around us. We thank you that as we receive the fullness of Jesus, we receive healing. We receive freedom from bondage. We receive deliverance. We receive peace. We receive soundness of mind. We refuse to allow the hustle and bustle of this season to get us off focus of what we're truly celebrating. And that is the love you have for us. A love so great that you were willing to send your son to pay the price for our sin, to set us free from those, that, those things that we've done, we're guilty of, the penalty for those, you've set us free through the grace of your son, Jesus Christ. We ask you to give us wisdom today, give us insight, revelation, knowledge, so that, Father, we will be better when we leave than when we got here. We thank you, healing for those who are not feeling well, and let our light shine brighter in this dark world, declaring you as our God, your son as our Savior, and what it means to walk in fellowship and relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Praise God. All right, we're tuned up. We're ready. Uh, I want to go ahead and jump right in. We've been talking about all I want for Christmas. And again, your wants for Christmas change as you grow close to God, right? There's a lot of people that want things for Christmas that God has nothing to do with. Matter of fact, he warns us not to partake in those things. And uh, it's our carnality that is craving these things, our carnality. What is that, Pastor Mike? 
your carnality is the, the flesh part of you, not, not physical, just meat, but the, the carnal part of you, your mind that's not renewed yet to the things of God. When you receive Jesus Christ, you're born again. You get a brand new spirit right then. But then there's this mind that we have to renew. We have to get it to stop thinking the way of the world and to start thinking the way of God and what his word says. And that's a process. That's an ongoing process. But as you do that, your wants change from being all about the me's to what can I do? How can I be a blessing? How can I help people, you know, receive Jesus and understand who he is a little more? Amen? So, in this series, All I Want for Christmas, the first part we looked at, the giver. Who's giving us this gift that we talk about and we celebrate and we sing about? Who? That's the Heavenly Father. That's our Heavenly Father. And we looked at him in the first week. And then last week, we looked at the gift. What is he giving us? And Pastor Chris did a great job of, of showing us and explaining to us the gift of Jesus Christ. And today, I want to wind this series up by looking at how to receive that gift. How do we receive it? And so much more than just, and I use this term because that's the way I saw it when I was growing up. When I first accepted Jesus, I accepted him exclusively as fire insurance. I got born again so I wouldn't go to hell. I didn't get born again so that I would be close to God. I didn't get born again so I could learn to look like God and act like God and walk like God and sound like God. I got born again because I had the stuff scared out of me about going to hell. I went to a church, it was fire and brimstone. It was, you're going to hell, you're going. I could smell the the sulfur and the brimstone through the preacher's message. And he had a finger about three feet long. Going, and I knew he was talking to me. You are going to hell, you know. And I was like, I don't want to go to hell. He goes, the only way a loser like you is not going to hell is if you accept Jesus right now. I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And that was pretty much it. And I walked out of the church, born again, no closer to God. I didn't feel than I was when I walked in. I had a religious experience. I didn't have a personal experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. And therefore, because it was a religious experience, it didn't really change my life. I didn't really see things different. I didn't really think about things different. I kept thinking and living the same way. But I had that fire insurance card in my pocket. Now, I'm not going to hell. I got Jesus. Well, how come you act like the devil? Well, I got Jesus, you know. And it wasn't until someone started explaining to me that God was a God of love, not a God of judgment, not a God looking, because, you know, if he was looking to catch me doing something wrong, I made it easy for him because I was doing something wrong all the time. And because I felt like that's all he was looking for was me doing something wrong, I really was kind of pushed into doing what was wrong. I never felt like he was a loving father that wanted to embrace me, wanted to meet me where I was and help me and, and, and encourage me and enlighten me so that I could grow and walk free from these things. I always just felt like a loser, so therefore, I acted like a loser. The Bible says that a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I pretty much thought I was a sinner because I was very good. I had a black belt in sinning. I was, I was a world champion. And because I continued down that road, I got further and further from God. And then I eventually hated God. Because if you think somebody's constantly rejecting you, what do you eventually do? You reject them. If somebody tells you somebody at work doesn't like you, it's going to change the way you see them. You're going to look for them to diss you. You're going to look for them to, 
be discouraging about you, to be negative about you, and you get what you expect in life. Anybody ever experienced that? All I expected was God was down on me. But when somebody started showing me the real, true, heavenly Father, God of all creation, actually loved, cared, and was for me, not against me. He was pulling for me. He was encouraging me. He was enabling me if I would just accept it. He had all of these things for me, but it wasn't until I realized that God is, you have to first believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, reward doesn't only mean monetary or material things. Reward means you can lay your head on your pillow and go to sleep because you have peace. The Bible says he gives his beloved rest. But when you understand you're his beloved and you have a revelation that he loves me right where I am, it helps you to rest in who you are in Christ. And pretty soon soon you start identifying being a child of God. Instead of being a loser and a sinner, you start seeing yourself as a child of God. And again, as a man thinks in his heart, all of a sudden you start acting more like a child of God. You start being more interested in what God has to say because you're not expecting him just to be telling you what's wrong with you. But now you've got a father loving you and encouraging you, telling you what he created you for and what you can do. It it completely changes your experience with God. So today I want to talk about, and I'm going to look at some of the same scriptures that the kids shared on the Christmas story, but I want to look a little deeper, maybe a little different aspect of it, and, and be encouraged to, before you leave today, you'll see yourself different in God's eyes. Because the way you see yourself in God's eyes is the way you're going to see yourself. And this is true. We have an example of the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness. They went in and they saw the promised land and they looked and and there were giants in the land. And they assumed that they were like grasshoppers in the giant's eyes, so they feared like grasshoppers in the giant's eyes. That's the way they saw themselves. Truth be told, the giants were scared to death of them, and their hearts had already melted. They were willing to just give up. But because the children of Israel saw themselves as grasshoppers in the giant's eyes, they acted like grasshoppers in the giant's eyes. They didn't receive what God had for him. They left it on the table. Even though it was there for him, he'd already prepared it. It was there for him. They didn't receive it. They walked away. And they died in the wilderness, all but two. God's got some things on the table for us. He's got some things that some of us aren't even aware of yet. And I want to help you to find out what that is so that you can receive it. And you can take everything that God's made available for you so that you can be the blessing that's going to bless the people around you with the good news and the demonstration of the gospel. Sound good? Guys with me? Luke chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to go through a little quick. We've heard this and stuff, but Luke chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to paraphrase the first few scriptures. This is where Caesar Augustus, he's the boss, he's the, he's the most powerful man on the earth. He decided the whole world needed to be counted. So he said, everybody's got to register for this census. So go to your hometown, register. That's the rule. 
Now we have Joseph and Mary, who we know the story of Joseph and Mary pretty much. If you don't see me afterwards, I'll help you with it. But Joseph and Mary, Mary is the one who now the Holy Spirit has impregnated with the baby Jesus, the Messiah. And it's time for her to go on a trip. Now, Donna had two kids. And both times when she was eight and a half months pregnant, nine months pregnant, it wasn't always a pleasant time. Uh, she didn't like to go places. She didn't like, you know, it was difficult. I wish, I'm not going to have her come up because she'll get mad at me. But there's a girl here, a lady, young lady, who happens to be just about nine months pregnant. Her baby's due any day. Now, where they had to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, that was the city of their, their heritage, was 95 miles. Now, I doubt if, if Yubi would want to go 95 miles in a car right now in an Escalade. But what do you think would happen if Elijah walked to the front door and said, hey, babe, come on, we got to go on a trip. It's a work trip. i got to go. Uh, yeah, here, hop, hop on the donkey. Because now a two-and-a-half-hour trip just turned into a 30-hour donkey ride while she's nine months pregnant. This is, this is you know, there's a lot of skewness. And we're not talking about in the middle of the city. We're talking about going through wilderness area and stuff like that. This, this is something that could be taxing. It could be stressful, right? So this is the picture. I just want you to see what's going on here. So they go to their hometown, and it's Bethlehem. And because um, that's where Mary and Joseph's ancestors were from, they were both from the house of David, which means the lineage of David. They had to go there, and they had to complete this this thing. And then we're going to pick up in verse 7. Well, let's start in verse 6. It says, so it was that while they were there, they had gotten to Bethlehem. She made the trip, and, and the, the, the place is full. There's no room at the end. The days were completed for her to be delivered, have the baby. And she brought forth her first son and wrapped him. If you're taking notes, which most of you don't, I wish you would, because it helps you later as you meditate and you reflect on the message. It's never good to only have it once. It's like a really good meal. You eat some, then you take it home, and then you have some more later. It gets better as you have it. That's the way God's word is. It's food for your spirit. But anyway, if you, ha if you are taking notes, it says she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And we always focus how there's no room in the inn, but today I'm going to focus on the manger and the swaddling clothes. And we're going to see exactly what's happening here. Now there were in the same country shepherds. Now notice it says same country. Underline that if you're taking notes. In the same country. You have to understand that these shepherds were not just the run-of-the-mill shepherds. These shepherds were like the special forces of shepherds. These were Levitical shepherds. These were the shepherds responsible for raising the lambs that were to be given in sacrifice in the temple, which was just five miles away in Jerusalem. And see, there's a lot of rules with this, with the, the, um, the pharisaical law and, and, and the rules that they had. And what, what they tell us is, if there was a, a writer, a, a historian, in, in a contemporary of Jesus, a historian named Josephus. And he was not born again, but he was a historian of all the things going on. And he wrote about the sacrifices at the temple. And he said that on Passover, just to give you... You always think of a shepherd with just a few sheep, right? What you have to understand what really is going on here 
we have, at, at Passover, it would not be uncommon for there to be over 270,000 sheep sacrificed during Passover. 270,000. We're not talking about a guy with a few sheep walking into town. This is, this is basically, and they had to be, they couldn't be raised anywhere further than five miles from the temple. And they couldn't be raised in the wilderness. They had to be raised in protective conditions. So there were no other sheep allowed to be raised in this area, in this region. This was all reserved for the temple sheep to raise the temple shepherds, to raise the sacrificial lambs to be given at the temple. Now what that means is that within five miles, you've literally got, a, a, in that day, a lamb factory. They're creating and, and, and they're raising these lambs. Now the important part about these lambs is that when they... When the, when, the, when the mama lambs, or whatever they're called, uh, are pregnant, they're taken to a certain spot when they're about to give birth. They're brought into what's called a shepherd's cave. And you can still go there and see these caves today. They're still there. And they're brought into the shepherd's cave, and the babies are, are birthed, and the shepherds immediately get them, and they wrap them in swaddling cloth because they have to be spotless and without blemish. They can't bump into things or chew themselves or, or have a scuff or anything that would be a blemish, because if they do, they'll be rejected by the priest and they won't be allowed to be used as sacrificial lambs, because a sacrificial lamb has to be without spot or blemish. I'll give you a little history lesson here, but it, it, it makes sense as we go on. So here you have these shepherds, and their job is to raise these lambs in protective custody, if you will, make sure they never get a scratch on them, they never... They never, you know, and the, the, they're perfect. So when they're born, they're wrapped in the swaddling cloth, and then they're put in a stone feeding trough, which is a manger, until the priest can come and inspect the lambs to approve them for sacrifice. And after the priest comes and looks at each and every one, looks at every part of it, it has to be spotless without blemish, every single part of it, then they're approved, and they're still wrapped, and they're protected because they can't go out in the field and get a blemish, then they're disqualified. So this is a very important, very big deal that's going on here. Now, what happens is that as they put them in the feeding trough, the priest comes, he looks at it and says, okay, then they're released out into a protective area, and they have to keep very close watch over them to make sure no other animal gets in, to make sure that they're not doing anything that could cause them to be injured, which would disqualify them because then they're, they're useless if they can't be um, used for the sacrifice. You guys got this, right? Now, the people had to have a sacrificial lamb for their sins to be covered for the year. And what they would do is they would go to the temple and buy one of these perfect, spotless, no-blemish lambs so they could then have it sacrificed. They would bring it back to their house, and they would keep it for a short time, and they would have to keep it protected. It would stay in the house with them so it couldn't go outside and get hurt. And they would love on it. It was something that became a very dear part of their family because it represented the Messiah, who's, future Messiah who's going to come and take away the sins of mankind. I hope, you're, I hope you're as excited about this as I am. Maybe it's just the preacher in me. But So then, after they buy the lamb, they have them, and they're prepared to bring them to sacrifice. So fast forward to this night. These shepherds who know all about sacrificial lambs, they know all about swaddling clothes. They know all about how it has to be perfect without blemish. This is their reason for being. This is their purpose. It's generational. 
They're born and raised to be Levitical shepherds. This is something that is not taken lightly. It's very serious. This is their purpose in life. And while they're out watching over their flock, suddenly an angel appears, shining like the glory of God in the middle of a field. You ever go somewhere where there's no light pollution? I was out in the desert out in um, Las Vegas, out in the middle of the desert Las Vegas, and uh, away from everything. And, you know, you've got Las Vegas that lights up the whole sky, but there's parts out there where there, you don't see any light pollution at all. And you look up, and you could see millions of stars. It's absolutely beautiful and incredible how many you can see because there's nothing blocking it. There's no light polluting, so you can't see it. You have these angels out there. There's no massive city with a lot of searchlights, a lot of streetlights, stuff like that. They're out in a field where it's dark. And suddenly, an angel appears. Read with me in uh, verse 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. One says that as bright as God's glory, they were, he was shining. This is the angel. And they were greatly afraid. Of course they were. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. This is good news. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Now, every good Jewish boy knew what the Savior, all about the Savior. They learned about it their whole life. They knew he was coming. He's the Messiah. He's coming. They're waiting on him to come and set things right. Who is Christ the Lord, which means the anointed one, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Listen, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. See, this is what has to happen for a lamb to legally be qualified to be the sacrifice. They have to be, go through a process of being born, being wrapped in swaddling clothes, being laid in the manger. They have to be without spot or blemish. They have to be perfect. They knew exactly. When they heard this, they knew more than anyone else what it meant and, and, and how exciting it was that the Messiah is finally coming. Finally, the God that because of sin has had to stay far from us is now coming to be with us. This is a huge deal for these shepherds. They're very excited about it. And, and they're going to find this, this lamb laying in a manger. Now, what you have to understand is the lambs that are bought for sacrifice, guess what they're called? The lamb of God. Every family had to buy their lamb of God. This was the lamb that was going to be sacrificed to God to take away and to cover their, not take away, but to cover their sins. So when they hear this, they understand exactly what's happening. And then it says that suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying. Now here's, here's the thing. This is the closest thing on earth that I can imagine this probably looked like. Have you ever seen Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase? Do you remember Clark Griswold? He had all those lights on his house and they never worked, they never worked. But then finally he plugged it in and it like just lit up everything. It was like, ah, you know, and then as soon as he get the family out, they quit. But this is what I imagine. The angel told them what was about to happen and the sky lit up. It was a host. It was a numerable number of heavenly beings all of a sudden were singing praise to God. 
and it lit the place up. These, this must have been a, the most incredible, more than Clark was excited, this had to be the most incredible sight to see. And they sang this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And then just like with Clark, so it was when the angels had gone away, they, ta-da, they're gone. I mean, can you imagine seeing that? These shepherds who their whole purpose in, in life is, is to pre- prepare the, the representation of what's actually happening, the fulfillment is happening before them, all of the heavenly help. There's no doubt about who God is and what he, what he has for them and what he's just done. This is an incredible situation. They've gone away to heavens that the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They knew it was God, and they came with haste. Now, you have to understand, these people had a very important job. Guard those sheep. Guard those lambs, because they are very important to the whole culture of the the Jewish nation. Everything revolves around these guys. They left with, they left the sheep. They just walked away. They took off and left their sheep, because they knew the real lamb of God had been born. They knew, okay, we'll have a job for a while, but that's the last lamb that will ever have to be sacrificed. And God knew to tell them because this was their purpose for being. And when he told them, they immediately went and they found. And they came with haste, verse 16, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, just like the angel had said. Now when they had seen him, listen to this, they came and saw, they worshiped him, they acknowledged who he was, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And then verse 20 says, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. God knew exactly who to tell what was happening. The people who had credibility to share the story. The people knew, the shepherds knew everything about the Lamb of God how it had to come into the earth, how it was to be born and cared for immediately after it was born. For Jesus to fulfill just these prophecies, it's mathematically impossible for him not to be the Savior, the Son of God. If you want to talk about science, run some statistics about what the probability is for Jesus to fulfill the prophecies. Some of them were 2,000 years before him, that he fulfilled perfectly the probability for him to be anything but Jesus is impossible. That's what science tells you. He is the Son of God. He is exactly who the angel said he was. Amen? And, you know, I asked myself, God, why, why didn't you tell the priests? They could have got on board. They could have rallied everybody. Why didn't you tell Caesar? It would have changed everything. He's the most powerful guy. Why didn't you show up the shepherds? Because it was their job to certify the birth of the Lamb of God. They had to acknowledge that it was exactly according to what's required so that it could be qualified to be a sacrifice. Nobody else knew what the, the details of that and how it happened. Nobody else knew the significance of swaddling cloth that was found in the shepherd's cave that Mary used to wrap the baby. This is all stuff that God lined up to show us without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. And it's for us to proclaim and for us to embrace this story and do what the shepherds did and go tell everyone. 
We need to let people know that Jesus isn't just the time of the year. He's not just a figure in our yard. He's real. He is the Son of God. He is the Lamb of God. He came and paid the price because he didn't stay a baby. If he would have stayed a baby, he wouldn't have been our sacrifice. He had to grow just like a man. He had to be born as a man. He had to be in the womb of a man, not a physical man, but a mankind man who is a woman, which is a man with a womb. Get it? He had to, you got that right? Sixth grade hell. No, anyway. But he had to do that. He had to be birthed as a man. But then he had to grow. He had to live life. He had to do it without any sin. He had to remain spotless without a blemish. He had a mission to fulfill so that we could be saved. He grew up. He gave his life as the Lamb of God. As your Lamb of God. But this Lamb, you don't have to go buy him. You don't have to work hard, raise money, go to the the lamb market, the sacrificial lamb market, and say, yeah, I'll take one, please, you know. Uh, no, this one was a gift from our Heavenly Father. This shows us the love of our Father. We got ourselves in the mess of sin, but he came to get us out of the mess of sin and to make sure that we had everything that we needed. There's no excuse for anyone to ever not be born again, except for they refuse to receive the Lamb of God. You say, well, that sounds pretty harsh. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And God made it so that anyone could get there by receiving the Lamb of God. Does that make sense? The problem is most people don't reject God. They reject religion, and they don't really know who God is. They only know what religion says. And that's why Jesus, we're kind of like the shepherds. We know because we're born again. We have the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Now it's our job to go substantiate what the gospel really is, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the Christmas message. And we have to understand that with this incredible gift, there's so much more than just the fire insurance. There's so much more. Yeah, if you receive Jesus and, and you never get any closer to him, you'll go to heaven but you'll miss out on all the other benefits that God included, like the Ginsu knives. How many of you guys remember Ginsu knives? When they used to be on TV, you guys, some of you going, I don't know what it is. Anyway, it was a tele, tele, what do they call it? A TV commercial or telemarketer or telemarketer. Anyway, it was a commercial on TV where they said, if you buy these knives, you'll get three knives. If you buy within the next five minutes, wait, there's more. You'll get this. And then wait, there's more. And all of a sudden, you had this full set of Ginsu knives that could cut through nails and chip away walls and open bank vaults and whatever. But anyway, these knives, and they kept saying, wait, there's more. So many people, because of religion, have boiled the gospel down to, well, I'm going to accept Jesus here, suffer through life, barely get by, struggle with who I am, deal with sin constantly, and then when I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to go, huh. But getting to heaven was only a very small part of what God included in the gift of Jesus Christ. It's just, it's just the surface of it. And, and the way that we receive Jesus is receive him in his fullness and we'll have all the promises of God. 
But if we allow religion to taint our, our perspective and to stop us from understanding exactly what really is included in the gift of Jesus Christ, the Lamb, who truly is the once and for all Lamb, to take away the sins of man. Matter of fact, John, when he was about to baptize him, as Jesus was walking up, John the Baptist looked and said, look in uh, John chapter 1, verse 29. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew that Jesus was the one. He, he was the one that was going to be the promised Messiah. He was the one who was going to pay the price. He was the one that, that, that was going to set things right, set us free from the bondage that we've gotten ourselves into, get us free from sickness and disease. You say, what do you mean? You see, the enemy and misinformed religious people have told us that, well, you're going to heaven, but God's going to use all these terrible things to punish you while you're still here. But the Bible says that the sin of man was placed on Jesus. And if it was placed on Jesus, how could God with good conscience still punish us for what he already punished Jesus for? That's double jeopardy. That doesn't work. If God punishes Jesus and then punishes us for the very same thing, God is no longer just. And you know, if God's not just, he can't be God. He has to be just. So, Pastor Mike, what are you saying? I'm saying we have to look at Jesus for who he truly is, the fullness of Jesus and what happened on that cross when he paid the price. And if we receive him for the fullness, we'll be set free from the things the devil has used to beat on us and dis distract us and make us think that God wants to bless us in heaven but punish us on earth. And it's a lie. It's not what Christmas is about. And just so you all know, Christmas is every day with God. It's not just on December 25th. Christmas at Jesus is Jesus every day. We don't just celebrate him on one day. We should wake up every morning, and I thank you for my Christmas gift. I thank you that I'm set free. I thank you I don't have to lack because he became poor so that I could be rich. You say, well, Pastor Mike, don't say rich. People get freaked out if you say rich. I really don't care. But I'm going to go ahead and, and, and justify my statement anyway. Um, so you can explain it to people. Don't tell them your pastor doesn't care. I don't care. But don't tell them that. Rich. The definition of rich is not being selfish, self-centered, gluttonous, and avarice where you have this insatiable lust to get more. That's not rich. We may picture rich people that way, but there are some very godly rich people. And let me give you the definition of rich, just so you know. Rich means that you have enough to meet your needs and still be a blessing. Now, you may be a blessing with a dollar, you may be a blessing with a million dollars. But it means you have enough for your needs and still be a blessing. That's what rich is, and that's what God intended for every single one of us. He became poor so that we could be rich. We have the blessings of Abraham because we are the seed of Abraham. And God told Abraham, you and your seed are blessed to be a blessing. We're not to leave the world to go to the hell in the handbag. We're to make a difference, not only with our words and with our lifestyle, but with our resources to let people know about Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? That's why we build churches. That's why we send money to missionaries. That's why we do outreaches. And they all cost money 
so that we can make the world a better place. Amen? You with me? The shepherds knew how important it was, and that's why they immediately, as soon as they witnessed and they understood who Jesus was, they started telling everyone what, what it was about this Jesus. The gift comes along with, uh, comes with, the, uh, with a lot of benefits to it. I want to just read a few of them to you. We don't have time to turn there, but I just want to read some of them to you. The shepherds were told that the birth of Jesus would bring great joy. Joy is the ability to be happy, to be content, in spite of your circumstances. It doesn't matter what's going on. You could still be joyful because you know God's bigger than whatever you're facing. And by standing on his word and expecting him to change things, he'll change things. He's the difference maker. So whatever the doctor tells you your diagnosis is, God says, I sent my word and healed them. You know, well, what do you mean? You don't think God puts sickness on people to teach them something? No. Never. You can't find it in scripture, not the New Testament. He doesn't use sickness. If he wants to punish you, he's got other ways to do it. He ain't going to do it with sickness and disease. Sickness and disease came into the world from the entrance of sin when Adam and Eve sinned. That's how it got in. That's how it's still here. How many know people still sin? There's still sin in the world. God doesn't want you sick. He doesn't want you fighting disease. The Bible says that Jesus bore our sickness and he carried our disease. Well, if he did, why would we? You ever go to a hotel and the bellman comes out and says, I got these? Do you hold his hands and carry him with him? No, he carries him because he's bearing your baggage. He's carrying it for you. Jesus bore our sickness. He carried our disease. Let him have it. Stop hanging on to it. Stop trying to help him with it. You're no help to Jesus. He's all the help you'll ever need. It's, it, it, it's about receiving him for who he truly is. Angel said, peace on earth. Jesus said, my peace I give you. How many of you know we live in stressful times? Anxiety is at an all-time high. Do you know there's more suicides in December, the month of December, than there is in the other 11 months combined? This is a time where people are stressed. This is a time where people are freaking out. They need the peace that Jesus said, I leave with you. They need to receive more than fire insurance. They need to receive the peace that he made available. He's the prince of peace. But so many of us leave it on the table. We think, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know who Jesus is. But then we stress about everything. We let anxiety ruin our lives. God's got something that can cure that. And I'm not saying it's not real. It's very real. That's why you need a supernatural Savior to get you through it and heal you of it. Amen? Zechariah predicted the gifts of salvation and forgiveness. So many people accept Jesus, but they walk around with guilt and shame. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. God's not going to bless me because I did thus and such when I was younger. I, I did thus and such 25 minutes ago. <laughs> you know? And they think that because they've done something wrong, they still have to carry the guilt and the shame of what they did, even though it's been washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Zechariah said, no, 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 there's going to be... There's forgiveness. You know how much forgiveness does for you? You stop seeing yourself as the one who was the offender and start seeing yourself as the victor. I'm no longer subject to the mistakes I've made. I now walk in the future God's prepared for me because I've been forgiven. It's washed away. Don't carry the shame of your past when Jesus washed it away. Receive him for being the forgiver, the deliverer. He's the one that sets you free. The addictions that we struggle with, yeah, we struggle. But you know what? He's the one that comes and breaks the bonds. He sets us free from this when we receive him as the deliverer. 
He's, your, he's not just your fire insurance. He's your deliverer. Romans 6.23 says that the gift of God is eternal life. We don't have to fret. We don't have to worry what's going to happen when I die. What if I sin right before I die? Jesus Christ already paid the price. You receive him. You receive salvation, which means surety. You can be sure that when you stop breathing, you're going to see Jesus next. And he's going to be there with open arms, loving on you. And God's going to welcome you because he sees you in Christ when you receive him as Savior. And remember, he's the spotless lamb. There's no spot or blemish. He never sinned. And when you accept Jesus Christ, you're now in Christ, which means you get, basically, you get to ride on his coattails. You say, yeah, but you know, I still have bad thoughts. I know, I know you do. But the Bible says Jesus became sin so that you could become righteous. Your righteousness is not based on anything you do or don't do. Your righteousness is entirely based on what Jesus didn't do and what he did do. And now because we receive him, we're in Christ. There's nothing that keeps us outside of, out of God's favor and his goodwill because everything else was under the blood of Jesus. We have to receive him as the one who sets us free. And then act like it, walk like it, live like it, show people what it's like to not drag around the weight of our sin. Amen? You guys with me? Yeah. <clears throat> St. Corinthians 9.15 says, Thank God for the gift. Too wonderful for words. We can't even put it in words. I'm doing the best I can, but I'm, I'm leaving so much out. There's so much that is involved in the gift of Jesus Christ. It's so much more than what we give God credit for and what we expect and receive on our own. Jesus paid the price. He wants to take us where we are today, and he wants to make us someone better, someone newer, someone recreated in his very image. The Bible says we should be going from glory to glory. The only way you're going to go from glory to glory into his very image is to let go of your past, stop seeing yourself the way the world or your mirror tells you, and start focusing on what God says about you. And start expecting what God, says, what God says about you to manifest, to show up. Are we still going to stumble? Sure we are. But I'll tell you what, I stumble a lot less today than I did five years ago. I stumble a whole lot less today than I did ten years ago. It's a progressive from glory to glory. But we have to receive him for the fullness. He's not just fire insurance. He sets us free. He puts us in a place. He clothes us with his righteousness. He gives us a shield of faith, a helmet of salvation, a belt of peace, a sword of the spirit. We're prepared for whatever this world offers when we accept Jesus for who he truly is. Does that make sense? The gift of Jesus is there for anyone. But not everyone receives it. Not everybody takes advantage of it. You ever buy somebody a gift and they go, oh, no, I can't accept it. You know why? They usually feel guilty because they didn't get you something. And that's why some people refuse the gift of Jesus. Well, no, I didn't do anything for God. I don't, I, I, you know, I, I don't need a Savior. I'm my own man. You're your own stupid man. You can't pay the price for your sin. You can't make things right with God. But there's a gift that was given for you and to you to free you from all that baggage. You say, yeah, but I'm still living in sin. God knows. He's not surprised. He's not, oh my gosh, look what I did for you, and you're still living like, no, he's going to encourage you. And tomorrow you might live in a little less sin. The next day it might be a little less, but you're growing in the image and likeness of him. 
and you're becoming more like him so that when people see you, they see more of him than they do you. That's the way it's supposed to work. We have to accept him for who he truly is. Some people reject him. Some people only take the very surface. Okay, you know, I, I, I believe he's God. I believe he was perfect. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he loves me. I accept my ticket to heaven. But they leave everything else on the table. I'll tell you a story that happened last night, and then we're going to get ready to close. My dad, we moved him into a uh, retirement community right down the road here. And when he went in, he wanted new furniture. So we got him a, a little love seat and this recliner. It's a nice recliner. It picks you up, sets you down, spins you around. No, it doesn't. But anyway, it's a nice recliner. Now, he's had it for months. He's been there, I think, nine months he's been there. I mean, he's been there for a long time. And we go there at night, and we walk my dad's dog, either me, Donna, my sister Peggy, Pastor Chris, Nicole does sometimes. And we walk his dog so he doesn't have to go out at night and walk his dog, Lumi, who's a real sweetheart. She was here at the Christmas party, if you were here. Um, so Donna goes last night because I'm working on the message and she walks Lumi then she bends down to say bye to my dad and in the recliner that he's had for nine months that he spilt so many drinks on because the top is cushioned and you know it doesn't drinks don't set flat and he likes to sit in there while he's watching TV and she leans down gives him a kiss as she gets up the ends of the arms open up there's a cup holder in one and a phone charger in the other. <laughs> He's had this chair for nine months. He never knew it at it. But now he gets to see the fullness of it because he was made aware that there's more to that chair than just the recline and the pickup. It actually has these cool little Star Trek-like things, you know, and stuff. But he never knew. He never knew because nobody showed him. The world doesn't know who Jesus is. And the world only has us to show them. We need to show them the gift of Jesus. We need to show them the price that was paid for them already. They don't have to, you know, a lot of people think, well, I got to get my life straight. You don't have to. This is what helps you get your life straight. Getting set free. Receive Jesus for who he really is. He's the fullness. I asked four people to come up here with me today. Come on up, guys. So many of us receive Jesus as our fire insurance. And we go through life still struggling with things that are holding us down, holding us back. If you'll take the time to receive all that Jesus has offered, even though you may deal with lack, with bondage, with sickness, with anxiety. Let me get out of the way. Why don't you guys go just a little bit? There you go. So... You may be dealing with these things, and you may think, well, I deal with lack because I'm not good with money. God can help you with that. Because there are people that are good with money, and they're godly, and they'll bless you. Maybe you're in bondage to your computer. Maybe you're in bondage to your mouth. All you ever do is talk about what's wrong. You find the worst in everything. That's bondage. Maybe you've got sickness. Maybe that cold going around. Maybe there's other things that you deal with on a regular basis. Maybe you're stressing over life. You watch the news, and it's freaking you out. Stop watching the news. Start watching the gospel. <laughs> Amen? But if you receive Jesus for who he truly is, he will take all of these things and whatever sign you're holding, whatever you're dealing with, whatever your sign says, and he will flip it around, and he will set you free. He will give you provision, freedom, healing, and peace. 
God is your Savior. He's your Deliverer. He's your Redeemer. You have to receive him as such to receive the gift of that. Amen? Thank you guys very much. Awesome. You good-looking people made my message better. Here's the thing, closing with this. It's breaking God's heart to see his kids suffering through things that he's already made available the answer for what you need. You're not doing God any favors by saying, no, I don't deserve it. He knows you don't deserve it. That's why he sent a Savior for you. None of you deserve any of it. Neither do I. But we're entitled to it now because we're in Christ if we receive Jesus Christ. It brings no glory to God for you to struggle with lack. It brings no glory to God for you to struggle with anxiety and think, well, God's busy and he's got so much. How small is your God? Oh, well, you know, there's starving kids in the Sudan. Yeah, there is, but that doesn't mean he can't help you. He can help them and you at the same time because he's everywhere and he's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. But we have to open up to him. There's a scripture in the Bible that says this. If you receive a prophet as a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a savior... As a Savior, you will receive a Savior's reward. It's a principle that God's showing. If you receive Jesus for your healer, your deliverer, your, your, your provider, whatever you need. Because remember, when God presented himself to Moses, and Moses was just like, God, you're just, wow. And God says, now go tell the people who you, who you met. And Moses, who, who do I tell them? Who do I tell him sent me? God said, tell him I am. That always made me wonder, what does that mean? Until later, when Jesus himself said, when they came to get him in the garden, are you so-and-so, they said, and he looked at them and he says, I am. And every single soldier fell flat on their back because he was declaring who he was and the power of who he is is available to us today if we receive him as I am, he is whatever you need. You need freedom, he's your deliverer. You need peace, he's your peacemaker. You need healing, he's your healer. You need provision, he's your provision. He's whatever you need. Please, please, please receive him as such this year. Receive the fullness of who Jesus is. And then what happens in your life is going to be incredible. And it's there for you to tell everyone else, just like the shepherds, to make everyone else aware. What, I got to start becoming a preacher? Yeah. Yeah, we're all supposed to be a preacher. We're supposed to let our light shine so those who are in darkness can find their way out. That's what we do. Amen? And when you are walking in this stuff, you don't mind sharing it. When God's showing up, when you're facing challenges that God shows up, you don't mind sharing it. You know, hey, 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 let me tell you something. You know, people walking by you, I don't know you, but listen to what God did. I mean, you get excited about sharing what God did. Because you know it's all him and none of you. And if it's all him and none of you, it can be all for them and none of them. You're not the, de you're not the deciding factor. Jesus is. You just have to receive him. Receive the fullness of Jesus, and your life will be a shining bright light that can't be hidden in the darkness of this world. Amen? Bow your heads and close your eyes if you would.
Father, I thank you for your word. Oh, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you watch over your word to perform it. We have confidence. We have faith. That every single word is true. It's powerful. It's alive. And it's meant to change our lives. Father, we thank you so much. Not just for fire insurance. Not just for a ticket to heaven. But we can live out the blessings on earth so that we can be a blessing to those on earth who don't know you. Father, I pray and I ask that you would give us all a deep revelation of this, that this revelation would go deep into our hearts, in the fertile soil of our hearts, and would grow up and produce much fruit for your kingdom. I right now take authority over this, this flock here and online, and I say, devil, you're bound. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. As a shepherd rebukes the wolves, I rebuke you with the word of God and I declare peace over the people here and online I thank you for provision over the people here and online I thank you that you you have your face shine upon them and your provision flows out to them as they walk out the life you've prepared for them I declare victory in the life of every person here who will receive you for the fullness of who you are and father we declare victory we declare miracles in the lives of people around us just for being in proximity to us as we walk with you. It's in Jesus' matchless name that I pray this and I declare it by faith with every head bowed and every eye still closed. Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never allowed him to be your ticket to heaven, much less all the other things we've talked about. Remember what I said. It's not about you or what you've done. It's all about what Jesus was willing to do and what he did. In your imperfection, he came and was perfection. He lived a perfect life, never sinned, never never got a spot or a blemish. But when the time was right, he willingly went to the cross and he paid the price for mankind's sin. If you've never accepted him, today can be your day. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to try and talk you into something through some emotional pull. I'm just making you aware. And even those of you who are online. I want you to not be distracted by anything else. Be a little self-aware right now. And realize, have I received Jesus? Is he truly my Savior? And everything that being a Savior means? If you realize he's not, and you'd like to receive him, either here or online, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Not to anybody else. Everybody else's eyes are closed or heads bowed. But this is just between you and God. Yes, Lord. I want to receive your son. I see your hand. Anyone else? You know that you, you haven't walked the walk that he has for you because you haven't opened your life up to him entirely. And it's not that he's going to put bondage and, and rules and regulations on you. He wants to come in, clean up, prepare, strengthen, encourage, empower so that you can be the person he created you to be. For the person who raised their hand and for any of those here who didn't or those who are online, I'm going to ask all of us to say a prayer. Father, come on everybody. Father, Father, 
today, my day. This is the day that you've made. I'm rejoicing and I'm glad because your son is my savior. I receive the fullness of what he offers and I release all the lack, all the anxiety, all the bondage, all the things the enemy has tried to hold me back with. And I declare by faith, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Jesus Christ is my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Woo! That was an awesome message. It was awesome about that message. It's from the Word of God. From God's mouth to our ears. I encourage you guys. We at Faith Family Church, we're passionate about a couple things. One thing is we're passionate about people because we're passionate about Jesus. We're about connecting people to Christ through community. As my wife says this, there's always unity when you have community. And when we have a mindset that we're going to listen to what the Word of God says, see what God has for us through the Scriptures, not opinions, but His opinion, that's when our lives can change. We're going to do something now. We're going to take up the tithes and offerings. You might say, oh, the tithes and offerings. Yeah, this, this is what the church is about too. You ready? Connecting people to Christ the community. Those of you who are part of the vision of Faith Family Church, every part doing its part causes growth. So it's about... We're blessed to be a blessing. Pastor Mike say that God wants all your money. He wants you to be filthy, filthy rich. No, but everybody doing their part does growth. This year coming up, Pastor Mike has such vision for what this church is going to do and who we're going to be. January 8th, we're going to start our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I encourage you guys at this point right now, Pray about what God would have you do. Because let me tell you this. God wants you to grow from where you are right now to where you're going to be. And he's never satisfied. Just like uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about the grass growing. Your grass never stops growing. You always got to maintain the yard. God's always going to keep growing us into the image of Christ. You know why? Because he loves us. At this time we're going to take up the tithes and offerings. At the end of service we have several ways to give. I'm going to say a general prayer. You guys say a specific prayer. The other thing, we have college and career. Wow, that was weak. <laughs> yeah, you guys are like, <laughs> we have the young adults, they don't like college and career. 18, 35, that age group, that demographic, we want you to know we're having a party. It's a white elephant party at our house. If you don't know where I live, you can see me or my wife after service. And I encourage you guys, be a part of what God's doing at Faith Family Church. Pray about what God would have you give up or what God would add to you to do for this next year, 2023. You guys ready? Father God, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that we have, we have opportunity to sow into your kingdom. And we thank you that you, you, you take it and bless it and bless the work that you have Faith Family Church doing in this area so we can reach more people for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys, be blessed. We love you guys. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv 
or like us on Facebook.